0: Welcome to the MS Gym podcast, where we give you the tools to live life by design, not by diagnosis. I'm your host, Brooke Slick, and here we go. Hello, everyone. It feels so good to be back. I have been on hiatus for a few months, and uh, Jody has been uh, pulling the weight with regard to the podcast. And I have to thank her immensely for uh, stepping in when I was unable to record so here's the story i shared my story with ken you know of course he wanted to know what was going on with me shared it with ken and uh he said you know you should make a podcast episode out of this you know i'm sure there are some people who could relate so i'm going to do that right now this episode is up close and personal for me it explains why i've been off grid for the last few months my continued battle with trigeminal neuralgia and even more disturbing, at least to me, my mental struggle with fear. I will share how even the most strong-willed, strong-minded person you know may need to seek counseling to get over the mental hurdles of living with a chronic illness, in particular pain. Most importantly, I want you all to know that seeking counseling is for the wise, not the weak, and it can set you free from your time-wasting, joy-sucking struggle with fear and mental angst. Back in February, I had just returned from a vacation in Hilton Head, South Carolina. I was tired, of course, but, you know, that's typical. Well, then I got the flu, and with that, I started to get shingles. And then after I got the shingles, I had an attack of trigeminal neuralgia, something that I have dealt with for the past seven years, I had it before that though I had it as far back as 2013 but I didn't even realize that's what it was at the time and trigeminal neuralgia is a chronic pain condition of the face that affects the trigeminal nerve that runs up over your let's say your eyebrow down through the middle of your face and then your lower jaw that's why it's called trigeminal there are three branches of this nerve And what happens is you get, there are two kinds of trigeminal neuralgia, TN1 and TN2. TN1 is the kind that I have where you have these immense shocks. They start as shocks and then they end up as full on episodes where it feels like someone has taken a knife, put it into a hot fire and then stabbed you in the face with it and wiggled it around. It can come out of nowhere. You can literally just be sitting there, enjoying your day and boom, it's like someone walked up and stabbed you in the face. For me, in the past, I've had up to 55 of these episodes a day. This was about four years ago. And it is truly kind of life altering. Your life gets incredibly small. So anyway, I have had four surgeries for this. Altogether, including my most recent one. But um, the last one that I had had was two years ago and it was cranial surgery. I had that surgery done in January of 2020, literally a month or so before uh, the pandemic came into existence. But um, since that time, I had enjoyed two blissful years of zero pain so imagine my dismay when I was talking to my mom online on a video chat and I got an attack. And it completely blindsided me. Then I had an attack right after that and then another one after that. So, all on the same day. So I knew that I needed to make a move right away. Find out what my next surgical option would be. Um, because pain meds had not helped me at all in the past. So I was to the point where surgeries were the only thing that worked. And so I contacted my neurosurgeon and they got me in right away and discussed with me my different options. And it looked like gamma knife surgery was going to be the best option for me. Gamma knife surgery, which I say surgery, but it's, it's not invasive. It is radiation it is pointed radiation and when i say pointed there are like 200 or so beams of radiation that are pinpointed to your trigeminal nerve and when they do that it creates a scar or a lesion on the nerve that blocks and impedes the pain from getting through to the trigeminal nerves so As much as we all hate to see scarring or lesions, you know, I was all about it. Bring on the lesion to stop the pain. So I had the treatment done on March 18th. And what was different about this surgery or treatment, whatever you want to call it, the treatments that I had had in the past, they were glycerol rhizotomies. I had two of those. And then I had an open partial rhizotomy, which was cranial surgery where they Cut a hole in the back of your skull and go in and burn a nerve, and then put the piece of skull back on. That's the one that lasted two years. The difference between those treat those surgeries and this one are you get immediate pain relief from the three prior surgeries that I had done. Like when you walk out of the the OR, you are no longer in pain. This is different, and you know that beforehand. You know that up front. Even though some people will see immediate pain relief, typically it takes longer to see the effectiveness of the treatment. So it could be a month, it could be six months, really, until you see the full efficacy of the radiation treatment. And I knew that going in. So fine, but of course, I always hope for the best. And they told me, you know, there are some patients who will see relief right away and that'll be it. So sure enough, I saw relief right away. And for two fabulous weeks, I had no pain at all. And then all of a sudden I am uh, baking cookies with my granddaughter, who's three and my husband, and right in the middle of her cracking an egg, I got an attack. And I was like, son of a gun. I'm like, what am I going to do now? You know, I knew this was part of the process, but. I was still having attacks and pain is pain is pain and it is excruciating when I get these attacks I literally every single time I go to my hands and knees I don't know what it is but I go straight to the floor every time I grab my head I go to the floor I I start to sweat I start to hyperventilate I you know my heart rate goes through the roof you know you feel like you're having a heart attack in your face. Uh, I've never had a heart attack, but I can imagine it's painful. I contacted my doctor, let him know, you know, what was going on. And they wanted to give me solumedrol, which I won't take anymore. I've had way too much of that, and it makes me kind of insane. Um, I'm sure many of you know what solumedrol is, Um, whether you've had a three-day course or a five-day course of it. I never did well with it. I had it every single time that I had... uh, optic neuritis, which was four different times. So we decided that I would try pain meds again. In the past, I had been on gabapentin, the highest dose that I could possibly have for my body and weight, um, and it never worked. And it truly made me a zombie. I mean, literally a zombie. So I really didn't want to take it, but I knew that I had to wait out the recovery process of this surgery. And so it's not like I could run out and get another surgery. I just had one two weeks earlier and it was radiation, which was gonna take time to work, which required patience, something that is not my strong point. So anyway, I agreed to take Lyrica or pregabalin, which is the generic version of Lyrica, I believe. It's all a, a, you know, pain, nerve med number, type of med so started taking that and I have not that was four weeks ago and I have not had any pain since It's exactly four weeks ago today I started taking it and I have not had any pain since it does not make me feel like a zombie it does make me a few hours after I've taken it it definitely slows me down a bit and unfortunately it Throws off my balance, just what I need because I have balance issues from MS as it is. So I'm pain free. I should be happy, but turns out I'm not, I'm not happy and not, it has nothing to do with having to wait it out to, to see if the treatment works permanently. It was fear. I have been dealing with fear of another attack and with every one of these attacks that I would get every attack has a tell and when I say a tell it's like a symptom a little something that happens for me it's this sensation that I get on the side of my head that I know an attack is coming and every time you get the tell you know something's coming so you automatically kick into fear mode and I start to hyperventilate I start to sweat and I can't move I'm frozen in time and I'm afraid to get up I won't walk from one end of the house to the other. I won't stand up. I sit in my chair and I don't move. And typically, I, I, I truly am one of the strongest minded people that I know. I have been through more crap in the last 20 years than most, and, but it's typical of somebody who has MS. You know, We deal with so much crap. To kind of give you some context here, as to why i consider myself strong-willed strong-minded resilient um when i was 35 i'm 57 now when i was 35 and i had been married for three months my daughter was six she was in kindergarten i had a stroke and uh i was the marketing marketing director at the time for a tourist attraction and i was writing a press release and i was in the middle of the release and I couldn't find a word. You know, I was always the the person that everybody went to when they couldn't think of a word. Oh, what should this word be Brooke? Well, suddenly I became that person and, and it just wouldn't come out. I knew exactly what I wanted to say. It just wasn't coming out. So fine. Same day I go into a meeting and I'm taking notes at the meeting and I'm writing the notes but it's like my mind was not computing what i was writing like it was it was just kind of a habit that i was writing down words but i couldn't really read the words they didn't make any sense to me so fine so i went home that day drove home probably not the smartest thing to do but i didn't know what was going on at the time i called my mom and uh i said uh ask me to spell a word and she's like what i said just ask me to spell a word she would ask me to spell a word and I would spell it phonetically and uh, like I couldn't spell the word cat and all of a sudden she's like Brooke what 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 the hell is going on and I'm like I don't know so she calls you know the next door neighbor who is a doctor and he has me come in and sure enough I had had a stroke but we didn't know why and we wouldn't know why for three months. But that's a whole other story. So anyway, I ended up... It turns out that I had a clotting disorder called a lupus anticoagulant. And it had caused the, the clot. Now, within four months, I was okay. And got my memory back. I, that was another thing. I couldn't remember people's names, faces. It It was hellish, okay? And... I completely recover and within a year I decided I'm going to go back to work, but not where I was working before somewhere else. I'm on my way to an interview and on the way to the interview, I'm driving and I couldn't see out of my eye and I was like, what the hell's going on? So I sat through the entire interview with only partial vision in one eye, go home, call my neurologist. Who was treating me for the lupus anticoagulant and he came to the conclusion that i most likely had a stroke in my eye um, based on my blood work that showed that i was not within the safe range that i should have been i was taking Coumadin at the time and i had a therapeutic range and apparently i wasn't within that range i was kind of in a danger zone and that likely caused a stroke in my eye uh, which would later turn out that that was optic neuritis and not a stroke in my eye. So there's that. And it wasn't until six years later that I had um, other symptoms that led them to diagnosing me with MS. And from that point on, I went from having to take beta betaseron, that failed. Taking capaxone that failed. Taking Tysabri, that failed. Taking Golenya, which was a, uh, in a drug study mode at that time. And then ultimately leading to having a stem cell transplant in Russia in 2013, which was successful. So I've been through it and at no point ever was I depressed about it? Did I have anxiety about it? I never went through any of that. I was okay, this didn't work. What's next? This didn't work. What's next? There was no, you know, poor, poor me in the middle of it. Never. I never went there. I never, I was never fearful. Uh, you know, yes, I would worry about, oh, what's my future going to look like? All of that kind of stuff. But I was never fearful and never had to seek counseling never none of that um i just suck it up buttercup keep it moving and that's the way i am with everything in life i don't have time for boohooing. it's just not part of my it's not just not who i am and it wasn't until just this last month or two that even though you know i've had this treatment for The trigeminal neuralgia, it's a pretty severe treatment. Um, you you know, it's radiation for God's sake. I still was living with the fear of having additional attacks, even though I'm on pain meds and all that good stuff. Still, I could not get out of this thought loop that I could potentially have another attack. And then I kept revisiting in my mind all of the most notable attacks that I had had in the past. Ones where, you know, I've passed out and peed my pants type thing. Yeah, that, that was a good one. You know, the one with my granddaughter where I'm baking cookies. Um, the one where I was driving on my way to Pittsburgh to meet a potential transplant patient and I'm driving down the road and I have an attack and I'm, you know, 40 miles from home, and 50 miles from Pittsburgh, and I had to turn around and go home, and I drove home the whole way, holding the side of my head, you know, petrified I was going to get another attack, because as I, I said earlier, when I have an attack, I have to get on the floor, like, I have to put my head, I have to lean down, or well, you can't do that when you're driving. But I kept revisiting in my mind all of the most horrible attacks that I had ever had. And I could not stop reliving the past. And I've seen it a million times in other patients, in other MS patients. I've counseled over 100 MS patients since 2013 when I had my transplant. I have people contact me from all over the world before or after their transplant just how how they can deal with certain things they're going through and what to expect. And, you know, I've always in the past, I have never poo-pooed people seeking counseling for mental health issues. Never poo-pooed it for anyone ever. Um, it is a real thing. And, you know, just like if I have a an infected tooth, I'm gonna go to the dentist and get it fixed. If I have a mental health problem, you do the same damn thing. But the stigma is real. And even though I never poo pooed it for anyone else, I did poo poo it for myself. I always thought that I was above, not above, that's a bad, bad way to describe it, that it's just not something that Brooke was ever gonna have to do. Thank God I'm strong enough, I'll never have to do that. You know, I'm just so lucky that I'm so strong willed, so strong minded, that I never ever, my mind just never goes to those dark places. You know, I'm Susie Sunshine all the time, which, you know, you get grief for sometimes. You know, it's like people can't even ask you certain questions because they know I'm going to come back at them with some positive take on it. And sometimes people don't want to hear the positive. They, they, they want you to talk it out. So anyway, I find myself in this position where I'm doing exactly what so many of the people that I've counseled myself were doing. And me thinking, oh, I'll never, that'll never be me. Thank God. Well, here I am. And, you know, I'm constantly re-looping back to these episodes that have happened and living in fear. And so I got to the point, I'm not stupid. I recognize that I think I might need help for this. Good God. So I talked to my uh, daughter, who's a nurse, and she recommended someone. And a month ago, I went to see her for the first time. I've seen her twice now. Yesterday was the latest appointment. And what we've come to realize is the difference between now and all the other things that I've been through throughout the years, there was no actual physical pain in all the other things that I had been through. And when I say that, you're thinking, how could you not have pain? You have MS and you had all these things done. Well, yes, there was pain when, you know, I had a spinal tap so many years ago. There was pain when I, after the stroke, for seven years, I went every single week and got blood work done. So there was pain every single time I got a jab to get blood taken. There's pain from spasticity in my legs or the MS hug. But... Not this kind of pain. And those kinds of pain, you know, when you're getting a blood draw or you're getting a spinal tap, they're going to say, you may feel a pinch with this. Okay. Big pinch, or they're going to numb the area of your spine before you get the spinal tap. Doesn't mean I'm not going to pass out during one of those spinal taps. Just saying that true story, but you knew that that pain was going to be over. Yes, it was going to hurt at that moment, but by the time you left the doctor's office, the pain was going to be gone. That is not the case with trigeminal neuralgia. You don't know when it's coming, you don't know how many times it's coming, and you typically don't know how long it's going to last. My attacks, because there are two kinds of, of trigeminal neuralgia, TN, we'll just call it TN. There's TN1 and TN2. I have TN1, which is the, the quick electrical shocks that turn into a full-on episode of pain. Mine typically lasts about 27 seconds. How do I know that? Because that's how I get through the episode, I count. I count through the episode, I breathe really hard, and that's how I survive each episode. Most recently, my fear of that happening again at any time and constantly thinking and concentrating on the fact that it could happen again is what finally led me to make the smart decision to seek counseling. And what I found in these sessions is that some of the solutions, some of the tools that I've been given are rather simple things. It's basically talking myself through what's happening and why I'm having these feelings. And I think to myself, these are things that I probably could have figured out on my own. But sometimes you need to get another opinion. You need to have what you're thinking in your head validated by a professional. And seeking this kind of counseling is not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign that you're crazy. It's actually a smart decision. It's a productive more efficient way of dealing with something that is wasting so much of your time. I've wasted more time thinking about what could happen and sitting in a chair in fear of that pain that having the opportunity to talk to somebody else was the best decision I've ever made. Everything I thought about was being validated. I now have simple tools to get me through these episodes of thinking that something's gonna happen. And every time I do that, I would basically be re-experiencing all of the physical symptoms as well. I would start sweating. I would be fearful. I My heart rate would go up because your body doesn't know and your mind doesn't know the difference between if an event is happening now or happening 10 years ago. It thinks it's happening now. Um, So basically, you're reintroducing the trauma into your life again and again and again. And I was given simple tools to help me get through it like simple little things as simple as asking myself brooke are you safe right now are you in pain right now and if the answer to those is no then get the hell off the chair and do what you were planning on doing so it can be as simple as that and all it takes is that decision to say you know what i don't think i can do this by myself i need to talk to someone as simple as that. And forget the stigma around it. Forget the family member who might say, oh, you don't need that, or that's ridiculous. Oh, well, guess what? That family member isn't you. They're not living with it. They're not dealing with it. You know, in my case, um, when I told my husband or my mom or my in-laws, you know, I think I'm gonna seek counseling, they knew If I was seeking counseling, they knew it must be something serious because they, they know my personality. They know that I'm strong-willed and strong-minded and resilient. So if I was asking for help, I must really, really need it. And I can only hope that your family and friends are as supportive as mine were. And it really was the smartest decision I've ever made. And now I have the tools to stop the loop of thought that is wasting my time and sucking the joy out of my life. I don't have time for it. You don't have time for it. I want you to know it's okay to ask for help. Just ask for help. So that's my story, you guys. That's where I've been. That's what's been going on since February. And that's why I've been kind of M.I.A. I am slowly and surely recovering from this uh, Gamma Knife treatment, and uh, I'm on my way back to living again, so uh, I'll be bringing new episodes as well, as Jody will be. Uh, we'll be taking a break at the end of summer, like July to say October maybe, maybe the end of September, um, but we have some really good episodes coming up. and. Uh, I am looking forward to getting back into the swing of things and uh, hope you all are doing great out there. So you guys take care and I'll see you on the next episode. If you'd like more information on the MS Gym, you can find them at msgym.com, on Facebook, on YouTube, or Instagram. If you'd like to know what I've been up to lately, you can find me at brookslick.com or on Instagram.